Hi folks, welcome to church. And we are busy with part three in this mini-series in December entitled, Who I Am in Christ. And remember, the subtitle is The Consequences of Christmas. We are looking at what Jesus has done for us and these are the results or the consequences of Christmas, which we'll be celebrating just next week. So we look forward to that. And right now, I invite you to our Christmas service. But what I want to just highlight is the ground we've already covered. And then we'll go forward, just building on that foundation. So in the first two weeks ago now, we looked at the first message in this series, which was entitled, in Christ I am accepted. Then last week we looked at in Christ I am secure and this week we are looking at in Christ I have value. But I want to just recap for you. These are the truths we want to to live by. These are the truths we want to to, to really um, implant and, and, and be shaped by. But remember, so often we can't receive a truth if there's something there we already believe, particularly if it's a lie or it's not in line with God's word. And so I just want to highlight the broad categories of the, the lies or the wounds that this truth goes in and ministers to. And these are the three areas. So the first message, when we look at in Christ I'm accepted, we are ministering in the area of rejection. So many people believe so many lies and have been so wounded by rejection. And then when we talk about we are secure in Christ, we are dealing with insecurity. And we looked at that last week. Please go listen to or watch the, watch the message from last week if you didn't get that. It is so huge, this area of insecurity. And then today we're going to look at in Christ I have value. And there we are dealing with worthlessness. And I was just thinking about this. I remember uh, a few weeks ago when they first identified this new variant uh, of COVID that we're experiencing called Omicron. I saw on social media, I saw more than one person posting this little little meme and, and it is quite cynical, but it made me chuckle and I'll show you the application here. They said, only three more variants to go before Christmas. <laughs> And I, I found that quite amusing. And I was thinking about this. Here we're dealing with rejection, insecurity, and worthlessness. And last week I just highlighted how huge this insecurity was. I said it's like a pandemic. And, and when I put all three up, I thought, well, you know what? We could say these, these three are like pandemics. Or we could say they are variants of a bigger pandemic. The pandemic of sin and its consequences on our planet, in our world, in our lives are huge. But Jesus came to deal with that. And I want to I wanna say, folks, that Jesus, because what, what, what Jesus done for us, because of who we are in Christ, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you're putting your faith in Christ alone for your salvation, for your life, for, your, for His plans and purposes for your life. If you're trusting Jesus, folks, then we are accepted, secure, and we have value. And that deals with, let me say, three variants of sin, which is rejection, insecurity, and worthlessness. 
These, these have throughout the centuries literally destroyed so many people's lives. And so I'm passionate about Jesus, what he's done for us. And we, that's what we say as a church. We are passionate about our Lord Jesus. And we're passionate about people that they would experience what Jesus done for them. Experience the freedom of the cross. Experience the healing and the deliverance and the freedom that comes from Christ. And knowing these truths and living these truths in our lives. So this is just so powerful. It is, it is amazing. So let's look at it. So I said we're looking at in Christ. Um, we have value. And I just want to put a simple to understand. But it simply means that in Christ we have worth or we have significance. And, and I want to at the same time go on to say what are the lies? What are the lies that these truths are dealing with? What are the wounds? What is the... What is the pain in our soul that this, that this truth is dealing with? It is this. It is the reality that we can therefore renounce the lie or lies that I am worthless, inadequate, helpless, or hopeless. Those are the lies that this truth is dealing with. If we will take time, and I'm going to pray for you that the Lord would do this. Take time to allow this truth to displace lies. Folks, it is just so, so life-changing. But let's go on. And so we're looking at this whole area of uh, that we have value, worth, or significance. But we want to deal with this, this stuff. And I've, and I've categorized it under the, 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 the term worthlessness. And what is worthlessness? It is being, it is being or a sense of being useless, hopeless, purposeless, insignificant, or of no value. I must say, when I read this list, when I read these things to my wife, she said, sure, that's quite depressing. Do you know that's the reality of where many people live? And they don't even realize it. They don't even realize that this is the reality. It's become so normal. But folks, this is not where we meant to live. Worthlessness is often at the root of depression and thoughts of suicide. That's just, that's just how it is. Furthermore, worthlessness often is triggered by financial difficulties relational breakdowns, job losses, etc. And we all know, been through a pandemic, hopefully getting out the other side of it. And many of us have experienced that, not just in the pandemic, in, in our lives. We will experience this. And so, folks, these places, these spaces, financial difficulties, relational breakdown or job losses, who we are in Christ can minister to our souls in those circumstances, despite the circumstances. It's in times like that that we need to know this truth of who we are in Christ, that in Christ we have value, we have worth, and we have significance. And this is what we want to look at this morning. So let's just go on. Worthlessness often results in the following. Withdrawing from relationships. You know how often you feel somebody's withdrawing from you. There's a distance. They're not replying to messages or, you know, there are many ways that we pick up their withdrawing. And so often we want to take it personally. We think there's something wrong with us. We've done something wrong. And, 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 and what are we doing? We, we pile on 
that worthlessness onto ourselves. Meanwhile, it's something that person is going through in their own life. But yet, can you see how the enemy can kind of just, just really hurt so many people around? One person is experiencing it, but then other people are experiencing it because they're feeling this person withdrawing. Addictions, abuse of alcohol or drugs are also the results and, and, and really coping mechanisms that people who, who don't find their value in Christ, the places and spaces people go to to try and deal with a sense of worthlessness. A diminished emotional, expre- diminished emotional expression and being lethargic, just no energy. It's just like the life, literally the life gets, gets drained out of people when they, when they experience worthlessness. Continual negative communication. Often it comes out of people's mouths. You can hear it. Um, I'm, I'm on some, some WhatsApp groups uh, on, on various fronts and I'm amazed at how many people, if I just listen to their language, I'm like, sure, all they ever say is just negative and fault-finding and critical. And I'm like, wow, I think maybe that person struggles with a sense of significance or value or worth. Continue, uh, we've looked at that one, neglect of self-care activities. Neglect of self-care activities like, and these are simple things, these are daily things. But folks, this is where you kind of can look at yourself in the mirror. Daily self-care activities like eating, personal hygiene, for example, showering or bathing, keeping yourself clean. Neglecting your appearance, for example. For example, your hair, your face, your clothes, being disheveled and just just sloppy in, in, in your attire. For example, things like not cleaning your room or your home or your kitchen, the place that you live. Folks, these are signs and these are marks of people that are battling with a deep sense of worthlessness. Now, these are simple little things, and I'm not saying, not saying now you necessarily need to jump on your teenager because they're not cleaning your room. It may not be the case, okay? But I'm just saying that these are some of the signs. And I want to say, folks, that discovering our value in Christ can literally have an impact on the way we do our hair the way our, our room is kept, the way we dress ourselves, folks, that is the very real places and spaces that discovering our value and worth in Christ can have an impact. So it, is, it can make a huge difference in our lives. So what we are going to look at now is what God says about these things. And let's just go through this list. Firstly, God says that I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I'm just going to read the list. The scripture references are on the screen there. And that scripture is from Matthew. I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I'm a branch of the true vine. Jesus, a channel of his life from John 15. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. Also John 15. I'm a personal, spirit-empowered witness of Christ. Acts 1 verse 8. And I am a temple 
of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16. Beautiful, powerful scriptures. And we got a, we got a few more, which we'll look at a little bit later. But just out of these five truths that speak of our value because of who we are in Christ, it speaks of significance, worth, purpose, destiny. I want to unpack. And, and this morning, I just want us to look at three of these powerful truths. And the first one we're going to look at is this one over here. I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, that is how most um, sort of uh, traditional English translations trans translate this verse, these verses of Matthew 5, 13 to 14. But I'm going to read it to you from the message. It's just so beautiful. It says in verse 13, Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You are here to bring out the God flavors of this earth. It's, it's, so, it's so simple, most of us can relate to this. I don't know if you've, when last you've maybe cooked some porridge or maybe some rice or, 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 or something like that, and, and you forget to put some salt in the rice when you're cooking it. The first mouthful you have of that rice, you can taste straight away. It's something that, you know, as, as we've been teaching our children how to do cooking, it's something that we've quite often got to remind them. And it has happened, let's just say, on more than one occasion where they forget to put some salt in the rice and you immediately taste it. And, and you know, the reality about salt is it is, it is, it is intangible to the sight. It's intangible to, to your smell, but it is. You taste it. There's a, there's a zone on your tongue that literally tastes salt. And, and it's, it's one of the things that, that just can make, a, make or break a meal in so many ways. But yet it's such a simple act of just putting some salt in the rice. And I want to submit to you that, you know, folks, being the salt, Jesus said you're the salt of the earth. It's not, it's not always big and loud and, you know, big things we do that make a big difference. Sometimes it's some little things that can just really make a difference and in, 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 in so many ways. The example I want to give you is just the example of encouraging somebody. You know, it's something so simple. How about just saying thank you to somebody for something they did? Even if it was their job, even if it's their duty, even if they do it regularly, how about just appreciating somebody? It's Christmas time. I'm telling you, it can light up somebody's day. Maybe it's your mom. And yes, she cooks every day. And or maybe it's somebody who, I don't know, at work who does something and it's their job. But thank them for it. It could just be salt in their day that the God flavors of, the, of this earth. And I want to go on to verse 14. It says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of this world. Isn't that beautiful? God flavors and God colors of this world. You know, you can, I mean, nowadays it's so easy to, uh, when you edit pictures on your phone, to do a, to, to make it a black and white. But, but, 
sometimes with some pictures they're just a bit dull and you actually want to enhance the colors and just and make it pop and and make the colors just come out and it, it can really make such a, such a difference i know sometimes black and white pictures are just beautiful that makes the photo pop in itself but but this scripture just speaks about and, and, and the way the message puts it bring out the god colors in this world folks that is who we've called to 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 be and folks that is significant. We have value. You know, yes, the Lord can and, and does sometimes reveal himself to people by angels and some supernatural just meetings and revelations of himself. But most people on this planet come to know what God is like through you and me, just being salt and light, being the people the children of God that he's called us to be. There's great significance recognizing that Jesus is you and me as salt and light. Let's move on. I want to go on to the point we made, which was the last point on that list, that I am a temple of God. And that's found in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. I am a temple of God. And immediately when I was reading and thinking about this, I thought of the New Testament, sorry, the Old Testament story of the temple that Solomon built. And folks, in, in, the, in a Hebrew person's life and their history, the temple was huge. It was the center point of worship for the whole nation. And the construction of the temple by Solomon was a huge, significant milestone in the history of the nation. But I particularly want us to go and look at how David, David was so eager to build a temple for the Lord. And the Lord told him that it was, it was not him who was going to build the temple, but his son Solomon. But that didn't stop David preparing for the building of the temple. And he collected resources and materials. And he did the designs of the temple, I mean, in such amazing detail. But I want to particularly look at what David collected for the building, for the construction of the temple in Jerusalem that his son Solomon was going to do. And, and why are we looking at this? Because when, when, when the Apostle Paul wrote that we are the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, to the people that he was writing, the temple had incredible significance and value. If you told a Hebrew person that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that would, have, that would have been such a statement of value and significance and worth to that Hebrew, Hebrew person. And I want to just go to these scriptures in 1 Chronicles, where the Bible recalls a little bit about how David provided for the temple. It says, David provided large amounts of iron for the nails that would be needed for the doors in the gates and for the clamps. And he gave more bronze that could, than could be weighed. Folks, bronze was in itself a very valuable metal. That is what was used in, in many uh, to, to make weapons of warfare. It was a very valuable metal. And it says more bronze than could be weighed. He also provided innumerable cedar logs. Cedar logs were the main um, um, uh, construction materials in those days. Very valuable timber in those days. 
The temple to be built for the Lord, look at this, how he describes it, must be magnificent. A magnificent, sorry, a magnificent structure, famous and glorious throughout the world. That was the, the stature of this building that, that he, was, he was commissioning his son Solomon to build. Folks, it was not insignificant. It was the most impressive building in the nation of Israel. He went on and he says, I will begin making preparations for it now. So David collected vast amounts of building materials before his death. Can you see the scale of this building project? And that's what Paul the Apostle says. you the temple of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say this. The Bible describes this. He says, David, I have worked hard to provide materials for building the temple of the Lord. We don't know for how many years. We know David was king for 40 years. And folks, I want to submit to you that for many years, he would have been collecting materials for this temple. It was a, it was a passion of his. And he says this, nearly 4,000 tons of gold, 40,000 tons of silver, and so much iron and bronze that it cannot be weighed. Folks, those numbers, that quantity there, I want to just unpack for you the value there just in gold. Can we do this? We're talking about value here and that you are valuable in Christ. And that's what Paul the Apostle was writing when he said, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Look at the value in the temple and just compute for yourself how much value you have in Christ. Look at this. Let's look at gold. It says 4,000 tons of gold. Now, one ton... A, a, a ton, the weight of one ton, equals 32,000 ounces. Now, I went to go look, an ounce is equivalent to about 28 grams. It's really not a lot of weight. It's actually quite a light amount, okay, 28 grams. So there are 32,000 ounces in a ton. One ounce of gold, I just looked up, today's price of gold is, for one ounce, is 28,620 rand. One ounce, that's 28 grams of gold, costs 28,000. So that's literally a thousand rand, a gram of gold. Okay. So let's work this back now. Okay. So one ton of gold in today's value is 916 million rand. <laughs> 916 million rand. You heard me. But now David collected. 4,000 tons of gold. What's that value? Look at this, folks. 4,000 tons of gold is equal to 3.6 trillion rand. A trillion is a million million. 3.6 trillion rand in today's terms. That is the value of just the gold. And look what the Bible says. It had 40,000 tons of silver and so much iron and bronze that it cannot be weighed. Folks, the value invested in the temple it was the it was just astounding so folks this is what paul the apostle is referring to when he writes and he says guys you the temple of the holy spirit wow what incredible value but i want to submit to you ultimately we are talking about what our value is in christ folks what value do we place on the life 
of the Son of God who died for us on the cross of Calvary. How, what monetary value can you place on that? More than this, folks, I'm, I'm convinced. You determine the value of something by the price somebody's willing to pay for it. God the Father said, I'm paying. I'm willing to pay the price. Jesus said, I'm willing to lay my life down that you may live. You and I, our value in Christ is, in, is, is just infinite. It is, it's just, it's, 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 you can hardly compute it. 3.6 trillion just in the gold in that temple. It is amazing. So this verse says, and this is the Passion Bible, and I just want to highlight this. Don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary or the temple? He's talking inner sanctuary because that is where, remember, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was, and that is where the, 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 the presence of, the God, of God was. That's why he talks about the inner sanctuary. And that the Spirit of God makes His permanent home in you. His permanent home in you. Folks, of that whole verse over there, is it the value of the, of the temple that's more significant? Or is it the fact that He makes His permanent residence with you and me? That He resides with us? Folks, the, the, the most valuable thing about the temple wasn't the gold or the 40,000 tons of silver or, or, or bronze, etc. It was that God was there. God was there. That is the value of the temple. And folks, that is what makes you and I of more value than the temple. That God chooses to dwell inside of us by His Spirit. It is wow. It is one of those places you just want to pause and contemplate. God never, his, the temple was a type of you and me. It, when we read about the temple, it is meant to be an example of God's plan for how you and I are meant to live. We are temples of the Holy Spirit where he dwells permanently with us. Oh, folks, how can we not be in awe of, of who we are in Christ when we meditate on this truth? I want to go on. And the rest of the list, I'm going to read it and I'm going to pick up on one more point. In Christ I have value. Why? I am a minister of reconciliation for God from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Folks, we have a purpose on this planet and that is to reconcile man with God. There are people in your life, there are people in my life that God divinely ordered it that you would come to Christ before them. Why? He's ordered that you would be a part of his plan, that they would be reconciled that to, to their creator, their father, through, through communicating this amazing good news of what Jesus did on the cross, that he paid the price that nothing needs to separate us from God because of Calvary. We are ministers of reconciliation, every one of us. That gives us value. That doesn't matter whether pandemics are happening or not, folks. We are still ministers of reconciliation. I'm a fellow worker with God. Wow, a worker with God. <laughs> We're part of God's workforce, folks. That gives us value. I'm seated with Christ 
in the heavenly realms. Folks, that is our position in Christ. We are seated with Christ in heavenly realms from Ephesians 2.6. I am God's workmanship created for good works from Ephesians 2.10. We're going to come back to that one. I may approach God with freedom and confidence from Ephesians 3 verse 12. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Wow. Every one of these verses are just so ministering, can so minister to our souls in the area of us having value and significance and great worth because of who we are in Christ, folks. Because of who we are in Christ. So I said we're going to look at uh, Ephesians 2.10. I am God's workmanship. So let's look at it. And so I've put up here just the verse. And we, this is how the New Living Translation puts it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. So we can do the good things. He planned for us long ago. Now I want to just highlight masterpiece. I've underlined it over there. Many, most translations actually use the word workmanship. The, the original language, the word that Paul the Apostle wrote there is poema. And poema literally means a work of art. It is it's the result of a master craftsman's work. Now, let me just take you back. During the Middle Ages, there was literally tradesmen had different, had different levels of qualification. The highest level of qualification was known as a master craftsman. And you had this in, in all the various trades that you had. For example, think of all the cathedrals that they built during that time. And for example, you, you could have a wood carver. That was his trade. And to become a wood carver, you would have to be an understudy, an apprentice of somebody who was a master craftsman. But you would have to produce a masterpiece to qualify. And that means that that wood carving that you did was of such a high standard that your, your master or your master craftsman approves you as a fellow master craftsman. It took years to reach that standard. It took years of training and mentoring and, and practice to be able to reach that level of being known as a master craftsman. But more than that, a masterpiece um, was, was very often also referred to the best work or, or piece of craftsmanship that, that the craftsman had created in their whole lives. We can think of examples. Michelangelo's, uh, when he sculpted David, the, that beautiful uh, work of art, that is known as a masterpiece. It is known as Michelangelo's masterpiece of sculpture. It is just so beautiful. I mean, uh, uh, students have studied just how phenomenally he crafted and his, his, just, his concept of the human body is just amazing. But we can find masterpieces in, in, in so many fields. In music, there are masterpieces. Um, in art, there are masterpieces. In, 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 um, in, in, in 
poetry, they are masterpieces. We, we look at in, in, in films, there's some films that are known as, as masterpieces. And, but one of the also the, the aspects of a masterpiece is that literally it, 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 it elevates and sets a new standard for that field that it is in. Now I'm saying all of that to highlight to you just the value that we have in Christ. When Paul the Apostle uses this word poema, which can be translated as a masterpiece, he is communicating incredible value that we have in Christ. And he says he has created us anew in Christ. What what, what the Spirit of God does in us when we are born again, when we surrender our lives to Christ, we are created anew. We are created as a masterpiece. And I've heard many, many just uh, descriptions of just in the physical realm, our physical body, how incredibly intricately and wonderfully we are made. But that's just one aspect of our being. Remember, you're a spirit. You're a three-part being. You're a spirit. You have a soul and you live in your body. Each one of those realms are masterfully created by our God. You're a masterpiece in Christ. And, and when, we, when, we, when we talk about a masterpiece, let me go on to this verse. This is the passion. It says, we have become his poetry. This is from the word poema. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So we see here that it's the, 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 the shaping of us, a very important aspect of us being a masterpiece is is, is the things that he's created us to do. And I want to submit to you that as we walk in God's purpose and his plans for us, the journey of saying yes to the call of God in our lives, which in itself has, has infinite value, we are shaped to, be, to become more like Jesus. And as we submit to God's working in our lives, we become more and more a masterpiece created by the hands of God. I want to finish off just with a, a beautiful little story that I heard many years ago. And some of you may, have, may know uh, of Graham Cook. And I, it was literally the year 2000. I was at a conference that Graham Cook was speaking at. And he shared the story from his own life. And he shares, and, and he's been walking in the prophetic ministry for many years, Graham Cook. And um, he shares about how when he was starting in the prophetic ministry in the, in the 80s in the UK, it, it, it wasn't very well known. And, and he was really, it was really difficult. People weren't really open to the prophetic ministry. And he said um, one night he had a dream. And he dreamt that um, in his dream he saw, he saw this culture being 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 um, literally chiseled out of the stone. He saw the stone, he saw, and there were these hands with chisels and hammers, and they were chiseling and chiseling out this image. And as he looked, he just could see it was just such a beautiful, beautiful 
um, um, sculpture that was emerging of this person. And, and he was talking to the Lord as he saw this. And, and, and as, as they finished uh, sh- uh, the sculpture, he asked the Lord, you know, what is this? Who is this? And the Lord said, it is you, Graham. That is, that is you. And he was like, sure, Lord, it's so beautiful. And then Graham, in his dream, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, please tell me, who are the hands that are sculpturing those sculpting? Who are using the, the, the hammer and chisel? And, and as he said, asked that question, the penny dropped. And he literally woke up screaming. Now you wonder, why did he wake up screaming? And I'll, and I'll back up. In that time in his life, he, he was basically trying to teach people on the prophetic ministry. And he was, he was going around from, uh, to various churches teaching on the prophetic ministry. But there were these people, apparently, who felt called, inverted commas, to warn people that Graham was a heretic and what he was teaching was error, etc. And these guys felt that they needed to warn people. So wherever Graham would minister, whatever church he'd minister, they would go outside and they would picket and warn people, you know, kind of false prophet, don't listen to him. I don't know what exactly what they said. And this had been going on for quite a while. And Graham had, had taken this to the Lord and he was really struggling with this persecution that he was experiencing from these people. And so the reason that he suddenly screamed in his dream when he woke up was he suddenly realized that the hands that had the ham and the chisel that were shaping the sculpture were actually the hands of those, of those guys who were persecuting him. And he said he realized how significant what they were doing with the difference it made in his life because it had forced him to make sure that what he was teaching was true to Scripture. He, he, it forced him to make sure that, that he studied Scripture and that what he spoke was truth. And he realized that those hands were helping to fashion and make him to be the prophetic minister that God had called him to be. And it's just a story that I so love because the scripture talks about we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And folks, I believe that as we do the good things, through doing the good things and through, through all the trials and tribulations we go through in life, in, in endeavoring to fulfill the call of God on our lives. If you're in a place of work and, and, and you know God opened the door for you to be there, but, but you've got some sandpaper at your work. Sandpaper, you know what sandpaper, that rough paper that when you, when you want to make something smooth, you rough it. People that are sandpaper in our lives, they, they rub us up and, and, and they really, it's difficult, but they make us smooth. If we will yield to God, and, 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 and allow God to shape us, we will, we will truly be God's masterpiece, His poetry, His poema. And folks, in that, we find great encouragement. We find great value. So I want to finish off, and I want us to just once more to read and to declare what God says about us. And I'm going to read it and and, and maybe we can, we can just say it together. God says, I am the salt of the earth 
and the light of the world. I am a branch of the true vine, Jesus, a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am a personal, spirit-empowered witness of Christ. I am a temple of God. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am a fellow worker with God. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I am God's workmanship created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.